Take your ball and go home. Sorry, bro. I'm, I want to get right into this let's one. Do it, let's do it. Let's do Take it. Take your ball and go home. I've been looking forward to talking about this for, for quite a while. When I say take your ball and go home, what are we talking about, Afalabi? Listen, there are, there are times in life where you are going to get screwed over. There are times in life where you are going to enter the arena. You know, I love my analogies. And you would have studied the rule book. You would have looked at all the terms and conditions. You would have ticked all the boxes. You would have suited up. You would have felt ready. You would have stepped into the game with your full attire on. And then you'll realize, actually, people are swimming. People are playing a different sport. People have decided to completely ignore the rules and regulations of modern day combat. What was agreed was, is now suddenly a myth. It's smoke and mirrors. If you are in that situation, <laughs> you need to take your ball and you need to go home. Do not try yep. to get swimmers to start warring and wrestling. They're not going to change their game. You've been conned. Take your ball and go home. Welcome to Expensive Lessons. Welcome to Expensive Lessons. Brother, how are you? Listen, I'm energised. Um, for those people who don't know, uh, often Abby and I speak prior to the podcast just to catch up. And my suggestion to you all as hardworking millennials or people who are just trying to be really progressive in life, know who feeds you. I am someone who spends a great deal of time serving the world. Um, that sounds rather arrogant, but I'm good at what I do. I'm a good husband. I'm a good dad. I'm good at my job. I, I, I give. I talk give. I give. I, I serve in my community, in my church. But that comes with a problem. I can become depleted rather easily. And you need to know who is going to replenish you. Um, and that's not many people for me. Unfortunately, that is not many people for me. However... I know if I can get an, an hour of Abby's time and we can just go spontaneous overflow of conversation, I will feel energized again. And I will be able to actually love my wife better, to take care of my children better, to remember that the annoying instances in the workplace are just them going through a rough time, which I can remedy. So people, find your person. Bro, how are you? Bro, I cannot complain. Well, I could, to be honest, if I really wanted to. I could complain for the whole episode. Uh, it's been a very, very difficult week. Uh, people probably are aware that I'm preparing for a wedding yes. and yeah, just under attack. Everything that could go wrong seems to be wanting to go wrong. But with all of that said, I'm in a very good mood because there are a lot of things still to be grateful for. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but all I can say is, I'm just grateful. I'm very thankful for where I am considering all of the madness that is currently going on in the world. And I'm really happy that I've still got this as a forum to just share my thoughts, share my insight and just engage. It seems like sometimes in the week you can develop a bit of a, a pressure within yourself. And this is one of those valves that really helps to me to relieve that pressure. Mm -hmm. So I'm just grateful today. And I'm really interested about this topic. Take your ball and go home. It's something that we had on our list to talk about for a very long time. And Afalabi gave a very detailed, comprehensive introduction about some of the things that we're going to talk about. But before I delve into that, I want to ask you a question, Afalabi. Why do you think, maybe you can do some uh, analysis on me uh, or of yourself. Why do you think that this is such an 
engaging topic for us. Not not necessarily for anyone else. It may be one of those episodes that people don't necessarily touch. But for us, this is something that really is an important message that we want to discuss and just work out in our heads for ourselves before before anyone else. Why do you think that is? Largely because it can be the factor between what failure is perceived to be. Mm. No one wishes to fail. However, failure is inevitable. And thus, no one wants to actually cut ties with something that they've invested time in. Um, you've coined it. What was the phrase when someone has invested time in something? They believe that actually, even though it's failing, it's the, the gambler's problem, they need to continue to invest more time to recoup what they've put in. Yeah. And it's called um, sunk cost fallacy. Sunk cost so fallacy. So it's the... Fa- it's the f- it's the, it's the belief that because I've put money into something, because I've sunk investment into something, that the best strategy for me to get a uh, output is to put more investment into it. So you can imagine a gambler on a table who's spent £100 and spun a roulette and he's failed. Oh, but his mentality is, okay, well, I've lost that money, but if I put £200 and spin again, then I get my money back. So he puts £200 in, but then he fails again. But he's like, okay, well, this is a 50-50 chance. I just have to spin the roulette wheel. So if I put £400 on the table now, then I recoup all of my money. So that mentality of kind of continuing to incrementally put more and more of yourself into a situation to recoup the lost investment that you've made, it's it, it 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 gets you stuck in a cycle and can leave you, as you mentioned, depleted. It's extremely dangerous. And thus you need to be self-critical. You need to be able to step back from the situation. You need people around you to assess where you're going. Um, if you use... And you, and you need to take your ball and go and take home. Take your ball and go home. Um, as you were speaking, I was thinking about the Google glasses. You know those Google glasses that um, Google thought we all have? Everyone? Yeah. <laughs> now, they would have spent millions, millions on that. Um, they have had to take their ball and go home. Or at the very least, I hope so. And they're not just trying to think of um, version two to, to share it with mm. us in decade 2030. Many of us do not wish to take our ball and go home because people know what we have invested in and thus pride comes in if you know that i've invested a great deal of time in this it's 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 the noah complex and you have seen me build something but there is no fruit or result there's no rain and i've been building this boat for 80 90 years i'm being mocked i'm being criticized i'm being ridiculed by you and myself it is understandable for me to continue to persist to invest time, money, and effort into it in the process of actually killing other things, killing other opportunities, relationships, um, other ways of actually leading to fulfillment to ensure that this one initiative is executed. If you're finding some form of link to what we're saying, it's possibly because you've been in that environment where you really should have taken your ball home earlier. Um, so for me, that's why it's so important. We as human beings do not wish to fail, even though failure is a necessity. It is that door to the new corridor 
going sideways before you open the door to the stairs. But if mm. you do not take your ball home early enough, you might find that you have wasted time on an initiative which was only meant to be a a, a, a tangent, an experience, or a through ball to the actual goal. Mm. So, so you you spoke about failure briefly, and I'd say the biggest obstacle for people taking their ball and go going home is the idea of failure. Quite rightly, some people may listen to us talk about being diligent and hardworking and having tenacity and go, okay, well, you're saying we need to be hardworking. You're saying that we need to have tenacity, but now you're saying that we need to quit. How do those two things measure up? What would you say if somebody mentioned it in, in those words? I would say that their observations are accurate. This will seem extremely hypocritical. You have listened to Beast Mode and you've got gassed. You have found an extra 10% and you are working harder than before, you are investing in your initiative. However, whilst we are encouraging you to be fruitful and for you to nurture the seed and to ensure that you remember that trees do not grow rapidly, at the same time, there needs to be a constant assessment of its growth and how mm. it could be growing and not necessarily how it should be growing. How to do that is challenging. Um, it might be that there is a, a an analysis of the environment itself and comparing that tree to other trees. It might be that there is an assessment of other farmers and the, the strategies and the techniques that they've used. It might be that there's an assessment of your own plantation, your own farm, and the resources that you have to actually get that tree to grow. Um, mm. You have to balance the two so that you are not watering a rock. Take, taking your ball and going home can refer to, to two different areas. It can refer to your own personal development, your business life, but it can also refer to the relationships that you have with, with other people. Now, we're fortunately in an environment where people are identifying bad relationships, toxic relationships, both romantic ones and professional ones and personal ones. So I want to delve into those first because I do believe, I'm a staunch believer in the idea that the true path to success is about your interpersonal relationships. Mm. And I want to start off with another question for you around that, which is, can you think about a relationship where you had to take your ball and go home? Yes. And it fills me with sorrow. Because when you have had to take your ball and go home, at one point you invested a great deal of yourself in it. Taking mm. your ball and going home is turning the lights off in that situation. It's killing it. And you're doing that, not someone else. And for many of us, we do not wish to pull the trigger. Um, I remember a, a girl that I dated. Um, I think we started dating when we were 18, 17, 18. Abby, you'll remember. Um, mm. and she ticked boxes, which I'd created in response to the environment that I had come from. Now, I'm really glad in, in terms of the way I've said that because it's intentional. She ticked boxes in relation to the environment that I had come from. What I didn't say was 
she was the ideal individual that I wanted to be with, irrespective of my environment. And I think many times we can find ourselves in situations where we are making choices logically or based on compromise in the situation that we're in. It was a relationship which really could never have lasted, but did last three years. Um, A relationship which, at no fault of her own, could not have grown beyond our early 20s. Purely because of who I was and who she was. Purely because of um, our different perspectives and, and our different desires. And many times we are seeing what we are um, involved in, not growing the way we wish for it to grow, but we're telling ourselves, mm. yeah, you know, it's not that bad, you know. Um, if, you, if you squint slightly, it, it, it's actually straight. If, if you just like look at it at an angle, that, that tower <laughs> is actually straight. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I, I really... I want to delve into this more. Reason being is because there are many people who are listening to this who may have been on the other side of that conundrum where somebody took their ball and went home <laughs> and left them. Yes. And I, I don't mean that to be dis- rude or disrespectful, but in some instances, when you're on the receiving end of that, it can be incredibly painful and you may lack the closure that you need to move forward. So the question around that is, if you are somebody who has been in a situation where, you know, someone let, took their ball um, and went home, or if you're in a situation where you believe that you might soon be on the receiving end of that, where maybe somebody in relationship with you has seemed to have changed their demeanor towards you, have changed the way that they engage with you um, and have approached you, what would you say to that person in terms of how they can gain um, resolution, how they can move forward, but even how they can understand the signs in more detail so that they are prepared for somebody moving on or they they pull the trigger themselves. That's a lot. If you are on the, on the receiving end of someone about to take their ball and go home, the reality is part of you always knew but you ignored it. Part of you always knew that it, it wasn't just that there was an issue, because there was always an issue, but that there was potentially an irreversible issue or an issue which you never saw as being remedied. And if that's the case, I would recommend that you take your ball and go home. Because whilst mm. you might really enjoy being watered by that farmer, what you want is to be polished. Like you're a um, a rare rock. You're not going to grow. <laughs> you're a gemstone. You're not going to grow. You mm. need to find your ideal um, collaborator, your ideal partner. Yeah, you, you mentioned something really interesting around that, which is you believe that if somebody is on the receiving end and deep down, they already knew. I actually disagree with that. I believe that there are some people, even listening to this right now, who were completely surprised when someone decided, like absolutely dumbfounded when someone decided that they were going to walk away. Now, when people are in that situation, 
I think the problem is, is that sometimes the relationship, whatever relationship we're talking about was only surface level. In that even though you are happy, you are happy based on false foundations. Yes. The individual that you are dealing with was going through something which you hadn't observed. And maybe that's because you didn't ask questions. You didn't have an intimacy with that individual. And or you didn't you didn't know the person truly who they were. It, and we can find ourselves in that situation in many occasions, both in a business and romantic side where you actually didn't do the work to understand who that person truly was. And therefore, when they did things that were out of character, it surprised you. Now, the answer was no, that stuff wasn't out of character. It was perfectly in character, but it's been categorized as out of character because you have painted them in a certain way and they have, they have surprised you. They've surprised you because so, it didn't fit the mold. But as you say, that introspection is crucial. And many of us, unfortunately, aren't as introspective as we could or should be. So I, what I want to do with that, actually, in terms of introspection, is look at it from a, a more business perspective. And I really like the fact that you provided a romantic example to kick off. And people might be listening to this thinking, well, this is a business podcast. Why are we talking about romance? The problem is, is that sometimes we delineate the, the two way too much. We, we, we segment or we uh, constrain the two way too much. Business relationships and romantic relationships are far more similar than people want to give, yep. um, give, give significance. When you think about a business relationship that works well, you have mutually, um, mutually aligned goals. In order for you to, to progress together, you need to be able to trust that person. In order for you guys to be successful, you're going to need to want the best for the person. And... In order for you to, to overcome conflict and overcome challenges, you're going to need to communicate well. What am I talking about here? Am I talking about business or relationships? Mm -hmm. And when it comes to relationships, you need to apply some business principles to get those relationships to be successful. Have you shared your vision for the future? Have you provided successful incentives for, for people developing themselves? Milestones. Are you giving people... Yes, are you giving yourself milestones in your relationship as by this time period, we need to be here, we should be close to here. So the two are very interchangeable. So when we talk about taking your ball and going home, the same reasons that you might take your ball and go away, go home from a romantic relationship are often, are often very well aligned to the reasons that you do it in a professional relationship. But let's, let's talk about professional relationships in a bit more detail. When we talk about coming to the end of a professional relationship, there are a couple of reasons that we might identify as reasons that we'd say this relationship has, has run its course. For you, Afalabi, what would you say some of those reasons are? When is it the point at which this professional relationship, this relationship which is supposed to feed our businesses, is no longer productive? There, there are several factors that I would review. One would be trust. Now, now, trust isn't number one, but it's the one that I mentioned first. Because if I cannot trust that I will deliver 
on what I said and that you will deliver on what you said. We are both living a lie. And that lie is only going to hinder our progress as individuals, as collaborators, and as a unit for the business. So mm. that, that for me is critical. Just me trusting what you say as an individual, me trusting what you will be able to do. As we've spoken about previously on this podcast, we sleep better <laughs> when we have great partners, whether that be employees, whether that be affiliates, we just sleep better because we can trust that their word means something. Then we can actually distill trust a little bit further and look at um, the tangible aspects of it. Because there are individuals who you might not necessarily trust what they say, but they're highly proficient at what they do. And thus, that would be really number one, but I don't mention it as number one because I want to trust you, even if you're not highly proficient. But if it comes to the point where you are not highly proficient at what you are doing, I shouldn't say highly, you are not proficient at what you are doing in terms of you are not meeting um, the agreed terms and conditions. You are not meeting the job spec. I am not giving you what I said I was going to give you. I'm not performing or you are not performing the way that you were stated to perform. Then there needs to be a parting of ways. So those are the two big ones mm. for me. Um, trust proficiency there are other smaller ones which almost fall under that umbrella um, the punctuality reliability attendance etc etc but trust and efficiency for me are, are deal breakers my, my pastor broke it down really well he he refers to it as the the three c's he says the things that you need to look out for are character competence and chemistry. I like it. And that stuck with me. Character, competence, chemistry. Does this person's character demonstrate that they have a level of diligence, determination, honesty, authority, respect, that we can gel together? Do our values match up? Is this person competent at what they do? Are they the type of person who works to a high standard and delivers on what they say they are going to deliver. And finally, do we have chemistry? Do we gel together? Is this somebody who I am constantly uncomfortable around or can't really speak freely around yes. because I don't want to offend or maybe they are very offensive in a way that they communicate with me? Do we have chemistry? If we are lacking any one of those three elements, we are going to struggle to form a relationship with those people. And the problem is that when one of them suffer, if your character fails, even if you're competent and we have chemistry, then I can't trust you. Yeah. If you're not competent, but, you, but I like your character and we have chemistry, then I can't rely on you. And if, we, if you've got both character and competence but we have no chemistry i don't want to be around you so i think those things are very critical to, to, to have but then we can talk about some more tangible things and i say tangible even though when speaking about relationships most of the things are very intangible but 
things that you could potentially measure. Is this relationship one-sided? How many times am I supporting that individual yes. compared to the amount of times that that, su- that individual is supporting me? Is every con- phone call or conversation about how I can help them? Does there seem to be no interest or no involvement in my personal growth or my own personal development? And if that relationship is, once again, what am I talking about here? Am I talking about romantic relationships or business relationships? But if every conversation is a conversation about their problems, their challenges, their goals for the future, and there isn't any discussion about my needs then we're talking about something which is very parasitical and therefore only going to be taking from me and not giving. And in those instances, it's time to take your ball and go home. Some people are checking themselves right now. Some people are really checking themselves right now. Um, Character, competence and chemistry is fascinating for me because it, it really simplifies what... We all look for but i really want to zoom into chemistry because I, i've seen it of late and it's something which i'm seeing far too often and it, it unsettles me a little bit i'm seeing people who appear to have a really good character and are definitely competent but they are just socially awkward they are mm. very awkward and not awkward in the sense of them Selves actively trying not to be, but being very comfortable in being socially awkward, which I find bizarre Mm. because I think they almost feel that their competence and their their values, their character is enough to compensate for the fact that they're self-proclaimed, not people, people. Um, Mm. And none of us can afford to not be people, people. That should never be something which... Is, is just stated in the way that some people say, well, I'm just not good at maths. Um, that shouldn't be said. It shouldn't be said, well, I just, I just, I don't really work well with people in teams, but I'm hearing it more often. I'm thinking, when did this become acceptable? Yeah. No. We owe it to ourselves to be able to connect with everyone, or at least attempt to, to just to pause and listen. And to try to understand where that person's coming from. And to remember that listening isn't waiting for your time to speak. But listening is actually trying to understand what that person's trying to communicate. You said something which resonates with me. And we're going to go, we're, we're going to go off on a tangent. But I'm going to try and steer us back in a second. But I really feel like values are shifting in this day and age. And I'll, I'll illustrate that with, with something that was quite surprising. So you might be aware that there's a live action Mulan that's just come out or recently yes. come out. Now, I, I, if, if you're looking forward to watching Mulan, then I, I'm really sorry to hear that because you're a grown up. No, I'm joking. Um, if you're looking forward to watching Mulan, there's going to be some spoilers. So I haven't seen the film, but I've read about it. And some of the things that I read about it were quite interesting. They made, they've made the story different. So the old story of Mulan was of a young woman who wanted to take her father's place in war yes. to protect her community from an invasion. And she dressed up, she, she pretended to be a man, and she 
um, was very bad at being a soldier, but she worked incredibly hard, even in the face of people ridiculing her, laughing at her. And eventually there's that, there was one scene, I don't know if you guys remember it, there was one scene where she was consistently struggling to get to the top of a pole and ring a bell, like consistently just failing mm. and failing and failing. And she just, day and night was practicing until she finally got to the top of the pole. And as soon as she achieved that, there were other things that she started doing effectively. She would outrun the men. She would defeat the men in hand-to-hand combat. And she would lead the charge in the final battle. Amazing story. Now, the new story of Mulan, the new live-action film, is that she's got superpowers. Oh, no. And (laughs) she's a superhero, basically. She's got these superpowers that means that she can basically, from day one beat all of the men, including the general, in combat. That's, that destroys the premise. That there, there was another reason it why just... I, I was refusing to watch the film, but I didn't realise that's what they've done to it. Yeah, she's, and I think, unfortunately, we need to check that in ourselves because I think of a new generation, there's a, there's, there's a level of arrogance that we have that we are going into a space providing all of the benefit and people around us are just going to get in the way. There's a level of arrogance that we have in our generation and in the new generation that we are the stars of the show. Yep. Truman Show syndrome. And, mm, Exactly. So as I said, that was a tangent, but that's something that stuck with me because I was like, I was the same as you. Like my favorite f- film of all time, I'm I'm going to embarrass myself here, is Aladdin. Not that I watch it regularly now, but I remember I remember the feeling that I felt as a young child watching Aladdin. I think I was maybe six years old when, I probably shouldn't say this, but my mum had to go to work and she left me on my own in the house at six or seven. Character building. Um, which was actually quite quite normal at the time, to be fair. Yeah. And she just put in, she put in the Aladdin cassette tape and I, was, I watched it on loop. Um, I knew how to press rewind. This is the cassette tape. So I had to press rewind yeah. so I got all the way to the beginning again, press play. And I watched that film and it's one of my earliest memories actually watching the film Aladdin. I still haven't seen the new one. And I've got no interest in seeing the new one at all. Um, But yeah, I I do believe that in some instances now, the messages that we are providing aren't some of the same messages that helped us build our character. Yes. Now, that's not to say that the, the films of the past, especially Disney films, didn't come with their own issues. Some of them came with some horrible kind of underlying messages that need to die. Yep. But some of the core messages that we are now teaching ourselves are very, very detrimental. The idea that we are an island, that we can do things by ourselves and that we don't necessarily need the support or the the, the camaraderie uh, from other people. And I think that is going to weaken relationships and weaken the way that that people work together as time goes on. Most definitely. I, I remember hearing that I needed to ask for help not because I was weak, so that I could remain strong. And it's something Mm. which I had to repeat to myself on several occasions because it went against my blueprint, although it made complete sense. 
which is a very interesting concept because you can agree with something and believe in something and it might not change you. And in those instances, you have to repeat it uh, religiously until it starts to seep into your mainframe. Taking your ball and going home. We have business examples of this. We have business examples of the, the pain that can be felt when you realize you actually do need to pull the plug and actually stop what is, in essence, hemorrhaging. You're bleeding. Mm. You are, you're bleeding profusely. It was once a drip. Now it's gushing. You're fully aware that you're gushing. But you are now at the stage where you no longer feel like you can bandage it with a, a plaster. And, and we have been there. And it's, it's, it's worthy of an episode in itself. Yeah. And we will, we will bring that to you people. We will definitely bring that to you people. But we've been there where we have lost more than I would like to think about. Due to an... En- I don't think about it. <laughs> due to an endeavor which I firmly believed in. And this is where I am you. This is where I believed in it. I, I, I fed it. I championed it. I saw that it was going to work. I believed that there were, were tangible um, tangible signifiers of this being a great success. We, I saw success in it. I saw it growing. But it wasn't growing at the rate of what it cost i.e. with the seed analogy, it wasn't growing at the rate of the amount of water you needed to use to actually get mm. it to grow. And that water was necessary for bathing your kids. This is you, it. You just couldn't afford to continue to put in as much. When you get to that point of knowing, speak to everyone who needs to know. Because I think we, we should go into it a little bit. Because there's a process to it. And some people will be like, you know, I think I'm there right now. How do I exit? How do I exit to protect people? Because for some, ex- exiting is just closing down an account, um, mourning it for a little bit and going. No one else is involved. Exiting for us was actually saying to certain people, unfortunately, the livelihood which we were giving you and promised you and firmly believe that we could continue to give you the progress that we were envisioning isn't happening and we're going to have to look up. So, so let's, let's talk about our example. I feel like we, we need to delve into it. Um, in 2018, uh, we decided in order to uh, help grow uh, one of our businesses that we needed a physical space. So London Virgin Hair uh, sells uh, high quality premium hair extensions and hair and beauty products and we had the vision of building out a physical location a salon which would serve our customers end to end so that they could get the hair and beauty products from us and then they could go somewhere to get those products applied before we delve into the full story tell me about the vision for this tell me about how it came about that this was something that we wanted to execute. You know, like, like many visions, if the visionary is honest, they'll admit that actually 
it came from conversations with others. Um, if you look at Beats uh, and, and Dre, it's the conversations that they had which made them realise, actually, this is an opportunity. Um, and it was a conversation which I'd had with a young lady years prior who was stressing to me that yeah, it's foolish for you not to have a salon. It could really make sense for you to have a salon. And that seed had been planted but not actioned upon for a couple of years. And I took that conversation to my business partner, took that conversation to Abby, prior to taking it to the team and saying, actually, we're at the point now where we are ready to accelerate growth. We are, we're highly successful in what we have done, but we need to capitalize on the success. What could we do? And I said, what could we do as a rhetorical question? Because I know that my business partner is going to produce several options. But my aim already is that salon. And I want to see through our analysis of the different um, ventures that we could go into. I, I want, I'm willing for the salon to come out top. First danger. When you are doing that analysis, analysis of opportunities, it is possible that you're already biased. And I was biased from the off. Irrespective of what that, the data would have shown me, I would have found tangible reason and rationale as to why my idea is what we should go with. You may have been there. You may have felt it beforehand. We had the process. We engaged the team. I remember it was really interesting. We had the team um, meet up in my mother-in-law's house, which is a very bizarre, I don't know why we were there. Um, Abby, do you remember this? And, and, you, prese and remember. you presented. Now, when you have a great business partner, they will present all options as to what could potentially be achieved. And I remember Abby presenting this chart of different initiatives that we could um, venture into. And they were rated. Abby, you probably explain this better than I, I could in terms of how you, you rated and ranked them in terms of... What were your, what were your X and Y metrics? Can you remember? Yeah, there were two metrics. So on the X axis was attractiveness and on the Y axis was accessibility. So attractiveness is how attractive is the market to, to us in terms of revenue, strategic alignment. There are a whole bunch of different uh, metrics that were used to, to delve into that. But we looked at things like um, how much money could we make from it? How much profit, which is different from how much revenue we can make from, from it? How much um, time and effort we'd have to spend on it? How aligned is it to our current business model? Um, how much our existing customer base would engage with it? Those types of things that would help us look at whether it was an actual attractive um, opportunity for us. And then on the y-axis was accessibility, which was how easy was it for us to penetrate this new market. And that's things like how much money would we have to spend to start it up? Um, how would we position our route into the market? Um, what partnerships or uh, people did we need to leverage to get into it? And we scored all of these. And you can imagine we had a graph and we had little points on the graph where things were either um, accessible uh, and or attractive and you can imagine the things in the top right hand corner of that accessibility attractiveness graph were the most um prosperous uh opportunities for us to engage in 
And yeah, Afalabi is absolutely right. We're in uh, his uh, mother-in-law's house, I believe, for a birthday party, maybe. May, may, that may have been it, because the whole team was there. Um, I, I can't yeah. remember why we were there, <laughs> but it was it was a brilliant conversation, and it was in terms of accurate steps. It was an opportunity for us to not necessarily share the vision, but share the process of our next phase with the entire team and allow them to be involved in the decision making. So Abby and I had had Mm. prior high level conversations privately as to what we could potentially do, but no decisions were finally made. I had my bias, but I was willing to be swayed by the options. We, We had that meeting and whether it was my sway in terms of what I said and my preference, or it was a common consensus as to this, this is what we are going to do. It became apparent that the physical space was the next venture. And the following day, we started to make arrangements. And that's... That's right. There. That's when it's, yeah, it, it began to fall apart. I don't know whether that was the immediate point that it fell apart, though. So I would say you're, you're, you're right in that we had that meeting. And I remember because I, I produced this graph and it had all of the opportunities. There were about 20 opportunities that we looked at. And we had the entire team provide their insight on all of the opportunities. So it was a collective effort. And when we, when we looked at the graph, the salon was pretty much smack in the middle. There were a whole bunch of opportunities that were dis- that were deemed more attractive and more accessible. And there were a whole bunch of opportunities that were deemed much less attractive and much less accessible. And the salon was right in the middle. Um, and I think the lesson that I'll take away from that is whenever we're making strategic decisions, there has to be a good mix of useful market intelligence and dogged ambition but there needs to be a mix there and I think we had the market intelligence but we were super ambitious as well and I think there may have even been some ego behind it in that of all of the opportunities that were identified for me anyway the one that was probably the most flamboyant flamboyant I like that was definitely the salon there's something about saying that you own or you run a physical space and you know you are the you're the owner of this space you can design it the way that you want it to look etc and we designed it well um that you get a pat on the back from from other people some of the other activities that we mention or that we identify that we're actually doing right this moment (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't didn't come with as much prestige it didn't come with the same oh wow you've got a salon and and therefore i think we were swayed a bit more by, by that second error the initiative that you are growing right now why are you growing it is it a vanity project that's a good word is it a vanity project now this the success of the company 
which exceeded all challenges succeeded because it wasn't a vanity project. And we, we have a saying that there is a new business within our industry every weekend. And it's probably more like every day. And one of the reasons why many of them fail, if not most, is because they are vanity projects. Mm. The people behind them want to say they have a company in that industry, as opposed to it being a necessary um, mechanism for growth, for financial change. We, we went ahead. Uh, we had the team allocated with roles and responsibilities. We had to acquire a site. We had to start thinking about design. We acquired a site which is on two stories. We had to contact uh, the landlords, the solicitors. Uh, the long-term contract was put together. I believe we had a contract for five years um, signed. Mm. We, we tried to get the best possible rates. We started to think about how we could expand the team. Um, there was a grand vision for recruiting a six additional stylists, a, a manager. So there would be potentially seven plus people within the physical site. Um, the recruitment process in itself was extremely challenging, but we overcame it. Potentially we could go into how to do this at some point because there are so many lessons in it. We, uh, valuable lessons. Very lesson. valuable lessons. But to cut a long story short and to allow us to delve into this property at another day, we launched and it was slow. We used so many different pro promotional opportunities and incentives to get it running. And it, it did, it did pick up momentum. And in many respects, although there were challenges in terms of ensuring there was consistency of operations, consistency of output, and minimizing the impacts on Abby on a weekly basis, because six months in, seven months in, it became something which he carried far more than he ever should have just to try to keep it ticking. Cutting a long story short, nine, 10, 11 months in, we'd got to the point where the parent company had been watering that rock for far too long and had been pumping in funds it, to the point where in that year, I didn't actually realise how much we put in until my accountant told me. And fortunately, at that point, when it was all over and the accountant actually mentioned what the loss figure was, I was able to, to laugh at it and say, thank you, Jesus, because we were able to survive losing that amount. And I never thought we, <laughs> we could have. However, eight months prior to that, when we were in the thick of it, I remember having a moment which I will never forget where I fell ill. I, 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 mm. and I, I'll get headaches maybe every so often, but I'm never really ill. Ill in terms of not being able to function. I fell ill and I was in bed for close to two weeks. And it, it wasn't, it couldn't be diagnosed what was wrong with me. I remember where the pain points were, which was literally everywhere. And I remember being visited by people and not being able to leave my bed. I remember struggling. I remember trying to sleep just so that I couldn't feel the pain. I remember dropping everything for the business, which is just so uncommon. As in, I'm, I was always involved in the business one way or the other. Christmas didn't exist. I was always doing something, but I couldn't. 
And I remember during that period, a, a good friend of ours' mother died. And I said, I have to get out. And I dragged myself out. And that was the most painful day of my life. It was unbelievably difficult just to function, just to drive, because I, I had to be there for his mother's funeral. I could not not be there. I was there physically, but that was it. And upon reflection, I realised that it is possible to fall physically ill through mental hardship. Mm. That venture had done so much to my, my mental just well-being that I physically fell ill. And that wasn't the turning point in terms of, yeah, we need to actually t take our ball and go home. It wasn't at all. But it's only now mm -hmm. looking back that I realise that those stories that you hear about people's mental state impacting them physically is very real. Very, very real. There's, there's a lot um, from that. I just, yeah, going back to our friend's mother's funeral, I remember seeing you there and it was... It was so interesting because I'd never seen you look that that depleted. You looked pale. Um, you were standing there, but you looked vacant and you were shivering. Um, and just around that time, it was a very challenging period because one of the other things that we didn't talk about was the, the turnover of staff in this space. And it was incredibly difficult for us because we had established our personalities as people who would not only feed into people outside of our business, but feed into people within our business with opportunities, promotions, you know, really competitive salaries. And this was the first time that, you know, we really had to restructure our people in order to keep the business afloat. And some of the hires and fires that we did were so demanding and so painful that I really do think that it struck, it hit me hard and I know it hit you really hard as well. And I, yeah, I can't describe it any better than you did. You know, you're the, the mental health challenges that you face during those periods can have very physical impacts on the rest of your body. Um, I remember you leaving the funeral and actually just passing out in your car. I remember driving past your car um, after we'd left the funeral and you were just exhausted. You didn't leave that position for a very long time because I remember I stood, stayed in that position for a while. Um, and as you said, it wasn't the end of that journey. That wasn't the point at which you said, this doesn't work. And to be fair, there, there could have been a good argument for you saying that it, it this this is time for us to, to give up. But I think one of the reasons why you didn't want to make a decision was because you didn't want to make a decision based on your feelings alone. We've got into this. If we are going to move on, we need to make a decision based on what the data says. And I think that that kind of moves us into maybe the next part of, of that discussion, or the next part of that journey. Definitely. It, it wasn't until the, the data revealed that, that the parent company was bankrolling the subsidiary and that without the parent company, which was expected to a certain degree, but not to the extent that without the parent company, 
it wasn't only that the subsidiary wouldn't exist, but now the parent company itself was being crippled. And it mm. was out of protection for the parent company that we had to cut ties. We couldn't allow its offspring to kill it. And that's what made the decision a lot easier because it was, and this is very important for everyone who, who needs to take their ball and go home. It was severing a tie to maintain life in something else. Mm. There are many times where we will not take our ball and go home because we're trying to keep something alive, not realizing that something else is dying. And what is actually dying is of and, far greater value. And I think that was it for me. So when when we look at that parent company and the subsidiary, I would say quite easily, I was spending maybe 50 to 60% of my time on this subsidiary compared to the parent company, yep. which is fair enough. You know, subsidiary was new and we needed to invest in it to grow and growth would be absolutely key. Um, but when I looked at the numbers and looked at the growth forecast, I realized that first of all, the amount of time that I would have to spend on a physical location would always be more labor intensive than the amount of time that I would have to spend on a predominantly e-commerce focused business, which is fair enough. But for that physical location, looking into the numbers and realizing that at its very best, the subsidiary would only contribute 20, it would only contribute roughly about to 20% of the value of the entire company. Then it didn't make sense. So I am spending 50% of my time, 60% of my time working on something that at best would only be worth 20% of the company. Yeah. And as a result, me reducing the amount of time that I needed to spend on the bigger part of the company meant that that bigger part of the company suffered. In an ideal world, you should be spending 80% of your time on the thing that is contributing to 80% of your revenue. And me identifying that, me identifying that we were losing actual uh, engagement on, on the, the, the big part of the business was something that quite easily swayed my, my, my feelings about it and made this less of an emotional decision because I was tired and overworked and more around a practical decision because I didn't want what we'd worked on to suffer as a result of something else. It, it was a critical decision, as you say. That, that Pareto 80-20 rule was so skewed. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> um, everyone within the company was focused on the subsidiary to the point mm. where, in essence, it was like having a year off the parent company. Yes, we just just had a year off, and when we're looking back now, it was insane, and it's actually an absolutely insane thing to do. But in the time, we were just trying to resuscitate and keep this thing alive because so much had been invested in it, emotionally, financially, in terms of time. And and as a result, the 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 parent company suffered. Yes, the parent company struggled and. You know, you can always, hindsight is always twenty twenty. but I've always considered, okay, what if we 
literally went into overdrive and just focused on building out the parent company. Mm. Just growing it and making it a lot more successful in that period. What would have happened? And there are some parallels with relationships here. Because some of our listeners are going to be very uh, tenacious, diligent entrepreneurs. And they've probably seen this in their personal lives. Maybe it's not um, a, a, a business and a subsidiary of that business. Maybe it's a business and a relationship where you're giving so much into your business that you don't even realize that your relationship is falling apart. Yes. Or you're giving so much to your relationship, you're you know, being dependent on within your relationship so much that your aspirations, your ambitions are dying. And sometimes we believe that, okay, well, now that I can agree to walk away, then I can just go back to how it was with the other part, you know. This relationship with this this person is over. Let me just get back into business and everything will be as it was before. Or, you know, my spent my time spending, the time that I've spent on this business, this crazy time I've spent on this business is over. So let me just restart my relationship like it was beforehand. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not how it works. It's a very naive way of thinking. Your business is going to suffer as a result of the year of neglect. And it will not be rebuilt overnight. Your relationship will suffer as a result of the year or years of neglect. And it cannot be rebuilt overnight. People, we are sharing our most expensive lesson. That year as a whole, for me, in the business world, is the most expensive lesson. And one which still needs to be distilled properly so that it isn't replicated. I, I've, I've taken so many life lessons from it, business lessons from it, but I need to condense them into bullet points and principles to ensure that it's not repeated. I So I, I want to... Sorry, no, go no, ahead, go please. I was just going to say, I want to share something that happened. At the very early stages of this venture that were that that pretty much illustrates my feelings towards it now it's so interesting so very early on within the first couple of week uh, first couple of um no it was within the first month of us running the business the first full month of running a business it was my brother's birthday it's his, it was his 30th 40th sorry it was his 40th birthday and he was having a party to celebrate, a grand party. And in actual fact, I, I went with him to, to Costco to buy all of the drinks for this party. He'd rented out a hall and he asked everyone to turn up in all white. And I had my suit laid out, I had my all white suit laid out, all white party. And on the same day of his birthday, it was a Saturday, I get a phone call from one of the stylists saying, I've just noticed a leak in the basement of the salon. So I go there with my toolbox, I have a look at this leak, and I realise that this leak is actually going to flood our basement if we don't do something about it. Now how that leak was formed I won't go into, but the leak was bad, to the point that it took about 30 minutes for this leak to fill a bucket. So you can imagine how much water would have flooded that place overnight. 
which meant that I had to um, to call um, Thames Water on the emergency line to come and address this leak. And I arrived at the property, at the, the salon at about 5 a.m. I didn't leave the salon until 6 a.m. the next morning. Because that's how long it took for the Thames Water people to come down and repair this leak. Uh, within that period, I was just emptying buckets. I was filling up buckets and pouring it down the drain. And I had to call my brother and explain to him why I wasn't going to be at his 40th birthday party. And I remember look, I remember thinking about that and just asking myself, is this the life that I want to live? And as I said, that is an illustration of some of the broader questions that you need to ask yourself, which is me feeding into one space meant that I was detracting from another. And sometimes that's a season that you have to be willing to do. And sometimes it's something that is intolerable. So for every situation, we need to ask ourselves, is this something in the worst case that I'm willing to hold on to? I'm willing to to, to push through. That deeply saddens me. Deeply saddens me. And it, it just reiterates why taking a ball and going home can salvage more than you've ever acknowledged is valuable can salvage what really matters. I think the last thing that I'll share is the relationships. Uh, When it got to the point where we had made the data-driven decision to take our ball and go home, we were still locked into a five-year contract, a four-year contract at that point. And I had to convince the landlords to annul the contract, to cancel it. Um, we had to inform all staff, which Abby led on, on, on the decision and, and why that was necessary. At that time, we had an employee who was on maternity leave who we agreed to continue paying um, because it was of no fault of hers that the subsidiary was about to fold. So we said, yes, we're just going to continue paying you even though you're not going to be here and no one's going to be here. But the point I want, I want to focus on is just the relationships that we have with all of those people. Um, the stylists, um, the manager, the landlord. To this date, the stylists uh, still communicate with us and are still willing to work with us um, and still, and have worked with us, um, have, have been really useful in terms of helping us solve other issues because of the rapport because of our character, because of our um, commitment to them, because of our our, our willingness to actually be honest and open. Um, The same thing with operations, um, the manager of the salon, but more importantly, the landlord. That landlord had no no reason to annul that contract (laughs) whatsoever. When, When you sign those kind of contracts, Um, If you do not fulfill your part, bailiffs is the next word. Um, They'll they'll happily shut everything up for you, but you are still obligated to pay. And you can maybe buy yourself out of that contract by paying maybe one or two years. And they will happily take the keys. 
driving to his very plush office and just speaking to him about our experiences and the journey and relaying to him all that we've said to you. He took me aside and shared the occasion where he had to take his ball and go home. The occasion where he invested 250000 into a restaurant. Hey! And it failed. And he, he said to me, at times you will fail. And he said to me, I still drive past that restaurant. And I still remember how much I invested in it. But you must move on. And I like you. I like your honesty. I'm going to cancel this contract. If you hand me back the keys, you will not have to pay another penny. Now, I was extremely grateful to God that he said that and that he was willing to see where I was coming from as a considerably younger version of him. Someone who was just investing all that had been made elsewhere into a new initiative, which will serve even more people. There are times it fails and there are times where we all do not take our ball and go home early enough. But the key is making that decision to take your ball and go home, to acknowledge your wounds, to lick your wounds, to begin to remedy all that has been neglected whilst you were in that arena and prepare yourself for the next instance. As we go through new episodes in the future, people are going to hear more and more stories from our most expensive lesson. One of the things that stuck with me is that the the landlord still drives past his expensive lesson. And the reason why I find that so interesting is because I still have not driven past the salon. There have been reasons where I could have. There were reasons why I was very close to that location and I could have just popped by to see what it looks like now. And I just don't want to. And thinking about it right now, I don't want to have a look at it. I've learned the lessons that I need to learn from it. But I still don't feel comfortable going past there yet. That is completely understandable. That it shows the human side of business. You're, and it's why Abby kept on referring to the interchangeable nature of relationships and business. It's very close to the heart. Mm. Yeah, it feel, it, in actual fact, it does feel similar to how I felt in breakups. You don't want to look at that person... You don't want any real memories of, of it to to because sometimes it hurts and there's a also, there's that kind of feeling of dread and failure that you have. You feel when you've had a an unsuccessful relationship, you sometimes feel like you failed, um, rather than understanding that you've learned. Yes, because the the lessons that I've learned from that experience are some of the most valuable of my life. Yes the people lessons I learned, the operational, the logistical, the strategic lessons I learned are so critical and have 
and will be continued to applied to be applied to my life. And sometimes you can only learn that lesson through pain. <laughs> Which is why this is uh, a podcast called Expensive Lessons. To leave on a higher note, because we've taken you on a journey, people. Um, oh, and yeah. this is real life experiences. This is what largely fuels Expensive Lessons, the podcast. We don't want you to incur the same experiences that we do because of a lack of knowledge. But the positive note I'm going to leave on is the conversation I had with the accountant, which I mentioned earlier, which was a, almost a year after we had taken our ball and gone home. I was speaking to the accountant and the accountant actually revealed the sum that we had lost, which was 40% more than what I thought we had lost. Um, <laughs> and I laughed and I couldn't believe I laughed because I still remember being in bed for two weeks. That wasn't me that I, I, I saw a brand new ex experience, but the, I laughed because I, I learned in that moment that you can lose more than you think you can lose considerably more than you think you can lose and still live, and still plan, and still prosper. So for those of people who, for those people who are currently in that position where they realize, yeah, I, I need to, yeah, cut ties, I need to sever, I need to make an incision, which is same uh, origins of making a decision, making a separation from. Know that what you will gain from it is far more valuable. You will not mm. feel that straight away. You will have wounds. But what you will learn from it, what you will gain from it, the person that you will become is far more valuable than remaining in that situation. So I just want to end on with a couple of practical things that can happen after you've made the decision to, to go home. There's a, there's, a, there's a couple of things that I would recommend that people think seriously about after that decision. And the first one is take a break. Sometimes when you've had something that can be perceived as a failure, the only thing that can help remedy that feeling is to move on to something else very quickly. Yeah. Once again, what am I talking about here? Relationships or business? When you feel like you failed, sometimes the easiest solution for you is to move on to something immediately afterwards. But my recommendation is to take a step back and just take a break. Take a break and regroup. Take a break and reflect on the difficult times. Take a break to reflect on the positive times so that you can learn what went well and why it went well. What went wrong and why it went wrong. So you can learn what's important to you. What values did this experience support what values did this experience um uh, occupy what did they enable and how can i replicate that elsewhere without bringing on some of the negative aspects how does my character need to change what did i learn about myself that i need to be cautious of 
And when you've done that, the next step is to plan. To plan your move forward. Don't just leave it up. I think some people will go into this kind of almost nihilistic mindset of, you know what, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. We'll just sit. Don't end up as that person. As soon as you've had your period of feeling sorry for yourself, which I completely recommend you do, then go into planning mode and ask yourself, okay, what do I need to do next? What have I learned and how can I apply it to my next step? Rapidly. And that's what we did. And then you need to communicate. And once again, you know, people say, people hear this all the time. I need to be reminded of the importance of communication daily. Yes. So I don't, I don't feel too guilty about saying something which sounds very cliche and very uh, old hat. Communicate. Communicate with everybody about what it is that you want to do next. Communicate with your stakeholders that you've let down. Communicate with your, your team. Communicate with your friends and say, this is my plan. And listen. Listen out for where your own implicit bias has been identified. Where people are asking you questions and your gut instinct is to say, mm, it's not important. Or, mm, don't worry, I've got that. Listen for those questions that make you feel like this person that has no idea what they're talking about. They just need to trust me. Listen out for those times because when you hear that, those are the times when your ego is controlling your actions. If someone has a valid question about your plan, about your next step, ensure that you're answering that question with a valid answer. Not with, oh, it will work itself out or... Um, these people don't understand. If they don't understand, they could be your potential customers. So make sure that you're putting your ego to one side and listening to that critique when you're communicating. Some people say that communicating communication only happens when you're actively listening. Otherwise, it's just two people having monologues. Mm. So I would recommend that that step is the step that you need in order to feel comfortable about your strategy going forward and about your plans for the future. Guys, this is Expensive Lessons. It is the podcast where company directors share the fruits of their labours, but more importantly, share the life experiences, the challenges, the difficulties, the failures which has helped them to succeed. If you are currently going through a situation where you know you need to take your ball and go home, Reach out, pose the question. Don't allow yourself to hide behind. Let's just keep on going. We'll help you get out of it. We've got some really good exit strategies that we could help you uh, execute. Reach out to us. And once again, thank you for listening, people. This, This one's very close to heart. And it will be reviewed again because we have given you well over a year in 30 minutes there is there is so much that we've left out oh. i don't think we can do it i really i think i think what we need is a third party who's going to come in and ask us the questions i you know i've got a couple of people in mind a couple of people in mind um, if you're listening and you're interested let us know who you are mm For me, people, 
Expensive lessons are valuable when they are stored, repeated and learned from. Um, which expensive lessons have you learnt from the most? Let us know. Reach out to us. Which episode do you feel, you know what, that changed the game. That really helped me uh, develop a paradigm shift. Reach out to us. But for me, yep. have an amazing week. Last words, Abby. Um, absolutely. Uh, expensive lessons on Instagram. Get in touch with us. Send us some messages. We want to continue the conversation. We only really grow when we when when we interact with people who have gone through challenges that we haven't seen. Um, uh, there, there's a saying which is um, smart people uh, learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from the mistakes of others. Um, I definitely don't want to have to repeat mistakes that other people have gone through and I don't want you to repeat the mistakes that I've gone through so let's continue that conversation expensive lessons uh, expensive underscore lessons on Instagram get in contact join the, join the podcast give us a call we'll speak to you uh, we really love this and this is cathartic for us this is an opportunity for us to share useful knowledge that we think can help you so if you want us to discuss anything about our journey if you would like us to delve into any specific areas just get in touch and i'm just hoping and praying for you and your business or you and your endeavor and you and your relationships because those are the things that are going to keep you grounded going to keep you healthy and keep you fulfilled so i guess my last word my last message is um yeah just i I want all the best for you and your, your your relationships all the best for you and your business god bless them and we look forward to engaging with you next week for another episode This has been another episode of Expensive Lessons. Take care. Take care, everyone.